introduction. Yes, I'm Nigerian uh, by origin, uh, but I haven't had to speak there yet. Uh, but uh, we believe in God for uh, open doors uh, for us to be able to speak uh, internationally. Um, so it goes without saying um, that I'd like to say a big thank you to our senior minister, who normally sits there, but he's not in today uh, because he's in um, uh, Ghana. And I also like to say a big thank you to you know to the leadership team of the church, you know, for giving me this opportunity. I remember when I got the message saying, "Oh, follow you on today." Um, my heart was filled with a lot of gratitude. So thank you so much. And I'm also trusting that you as the congregation, you'll be very encouraging, you know, by saying amen whenever I need you to say amen. Um, so um, the plan is to give you a very short exaltation. Um, the idea is to um, encourage uh, people amongst us uh, that are struggling uh, with forgiving other people. So if you've been in our church at least for the last four weeks or so, uh, you would have been hearing a lot about forgiveness. And today's message is really for people that have been offended, uh, one way or the other. Um, it's very hard to know what offense means to you, but it just means it's something that has really hurt you. And sometimes it could be people from your family that has offended you. Um, so I was thinking, okay, what sort of examples can I give about offense? And there's one that I hear a lot of women talk about. And it's one of those where, let's say, for example, a woman is caught in a man. And, you know, the man is making all these promises. He said he's going to be the sunshine in our winter. As far as she's concerned, everything is going to lead to the chapel. You know, and they've been singing that song. And all of a sudden, another woman comes along, uh, at least to her. And then he gets married four months later. And to the woman, you're thinking to yourself, so you've been saying to me, we're going to go to the chapel. And what has changed, you know? So for, for, for the woman that is in that situation, that in itself is an offense. Now, the reason I've chosen that example in particular is just because a lot of my friends talk about it, uh, where they can't get their heads around how all of a sudden a woman comes along and then the guy changes his mind. And so that in itself is an offense. Now, I have to be honest that uh, when it comes to the subject of forgiveness, um, I haven't had to learn forgiveness for myself in terms of, I haven't learned forgiveness because of what somebody else has done for me. I've had to learn forgiveness because of what I've done to other people. Um, and so to some extent, uh, throughout what I'm saying today, there might be an element of taking sides with the offender, uh, but that's not the objective, okay? So please bear with me. So if you're the person that has been hurt uh, because of what somebody else has done for you, I'm just trying to encourage you to see the other side of the picture, okay? Um, and so, um, to bring this to life, I thought I would use the story of uh, Joseph, um, the story of Joseph in the Bible. And uh, there's a lot that the Bible talks about when it comes to Joseph. And so if you're thinking about the story of Joseph, you'll want to look at Genesis 37 uh, to 50. Now, I'm not going to get us to read that this morning, uh, sorry, this evening, but it, because it's a very long read. And I'll sort of try to summarize uh, the, the, what Joseph went through. Uh, so for people that have been in church for long, you'll recognize that Joseph was Jacob's uh, 11th son, and he also happened to be dad's favorite um, because, you know, his dad had him when he was much older. Um, to make matters worse, uh, because he was dad's favorite, his dad decided to get him a coat of many colors, and that really rubbed his brothers uh, in a very wrong way. Um, Joseph also happened to be the good boy of the family, and so the Bible talks about how uh, it would bring back bad reports about his brothers uh, to his parents. And so in Genesis 37, 11, the Bible talks about how his brothers were jealous of him. And so with this sort of jealousy, um, their response to this was actually to conspire and kill him. 
but thankfully, his oldest brother came to his rescue, and so they decided to set him as a slave uh, to the Ishmaelites, uh, who then sold him on um, to one of uh, Pharaoh's officials called uh, Potiphar. Um, the interesting thing about the story of Joseph is in Genesis uh, 39.2, the Bible talks about how the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his uh, Egyptian uh, master. Um, so not only was Joseph good at his job, uh, but in terms of physical robustness, it was, you know, it was chisel, cuts. Uh, if you're thinking about six packs, I mean, I, I'm not sure whether he had it, but the Bible talks about how Joseph was an handsome person. And as a result, over time, um, you know, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, started to make advances on him day in, day out, eating at him. But, you know, Joseph was an integrous man. He said, no, no, no. And uh, things got really heated, and um, it keeps saying no. But unfortunately, um, Potiphar's wife accused him of rape. And so that's how uh, Joseph ended up in prison. Not so much because he raped the woman, but because he was falsely accused. Um, and so effectively, the episode between when Joseph left his family um, to being in prison, to being free, was about 13 years in total. Uh, but thankfully, uh, there was a situation that happened in Egypt where um, Pharaoh, or the king of Egypt at the time, needed somebody to advise him on you know, economics. And Joseph happened to be the person. So one of the people that Joseph had helped in prison uh, recommended him to, uh, to Pharaoh. Uh, fast forward 20 years since he left home. Um, he also meant that, you know, there was a lot of famine in the land. So people from all over the world would come to Egypt um, as a way of just getting uh, sustenance. And so what that meant was, you know, Joseph, is, uh, Joseph and his brother, Joseph's brothers, his parents, had to come to Egypt to, to get some sustenance. And so um, this effectively meant he was reunited to his family. A lot of people, well, the brothers didn't quite realize that actually it was Joseph. Uh, but thankfully, Joseph had a very generous heart that he, he, forg he forgave his brothers. And so... Um, in Genesis 50, uh, verses 19 to 21, and this is when his father died, um, his brothers were a bit anxious to see whether or not actually, now that our father has passed away, Joseph might intend to retaliate on us. And this is what Joseph said. Uh, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done saving of many lives. So then, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your children, and he reassured them as he spoke uh, kindly uh, to them. Again, I'm going to be speaking on forgiveness because I think the story of Joseph is quite important, uh, just because Joseph went through a period of about 13 years, living the unjust punishment of something he himself never did. Uh, it was because somebody lied against him. Uh, people were jealous of him. And that's why he had to go through that pain. And so just to give us a quick recap for people that are not here on what we defined as forgiveness. So forgiveness is to stop feeling angry or resentful for a flaw or an offense that another has done against us. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into uh, what forgiveness is. So I would encourage you, if you haven't been with us uh, for the last uh, month or so, uh, just to go on our website to find out, you know, what has been said. But effectively, I'm going to draw three um, lessons that we can learn from the story of Joseph. And so the first one is this. It wasn't Joseph's fault that he ended up the way things ended up. Okay? Can we say it together? It wasn't Joseph's fault that he ended up the way things ended up. 
Um, I remember when we were growing up as children and uh, the story of Joseph was being told to us in Sunday school. Uh, the typical narrative about Joseph was Joseph was a saint. He never did anything that was wrong. And that's what we kind of grew up believing. Uh, but what I find more recently, because I'm in Bible college, uh, you know, Bible college uh, individuals are a bit more critical about people. And so one of the things that they've identified about Joseph is the fact that they felt, or people say, actually, Joseph is not as much of a saint as we think he is. And so, for example, uh, he brought back a lot of bad reports about his brothers. He did so many things, you know, he, he didn't demonstrate tact when he was uh, sharing his dream. And, you know, um, that's a lot of things that a lot of people will say. And if we were to go by the words of um, a philosopher uh, called uh, George Burnett Shaw, and this is what it says. It says, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they will kill you. Okay? So if you want to tell people, you know, something about them that is, you think they wouldn't want to hear, make them laugh. Otherwise, they will kill you. And so if we were to judge, you know, Joseph by these things, we will probably think it's actually his fault. But the reality is, I just want to submit to you that we human beings have issues. Okay? So even as Christians, uh, we sometimes indulge in this uh, horrible emotional response uh, to the success of other people called envy. I'm not sure if anybody has had uh, envious feelings towards anyone. Okay? I'm not going to embarrass you. I could see one hand up there. Um, but, you know, that, that, that feeling is the desire that comes within us when other people are succeeding and we try to chip in their success in our minds, okay? People, or shall I say Christians, we gossip because of envy. People, or shall I say Christians, we get depressed because of envy. I once heard somebody say that um, just because other people are succeeding doesn't mean you're failing, and there's something about other people's success that gives us that impression that actually things are not that good for us or we are failing. And that in itself can inspire us to depression. Now, I did a Google search of, you know, people that have mothered other people because of jealousy or because of envy. And there is a whole list of people that have done that to other people. Now, I have to share my own story here because when I was in school, I was very competitive academically. And uh, it was so strange that I, I kind of noticed as a teenager, I think 13, 14 or 15, that when my friends did better than me at school, my emotional level would just drop. And then when I did better than my friends, my emotional level would just go high. And it was really bizarre because I thought to myself, why am I going like a yo-yo? Literally, you know, if I do better than them, my emotional level goes up. If they do better than me, my emotional level goes down. And that's the reality is, you know, that's human beings for you. We are broken individuals. And this is one of the things that helped me because uh, when I was going through that phase, uh, thankfully I was in church, and one of the things they told us was the power of positive confession. And so I would use Romans 12, 15 that would say, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, as a way of just counteracting those negative feelings. But the reality is those negative feelings still persisted. And the reality is when our friends or family are successful, sometimes we have this negative emotion called envy that creeps up itself. And when we think about individuals or people that we relate to, I wouldn't want to say it's not their fault really, but the reality is people do things to other people as a result of this envy. And so if you're struggling to forgive someone, I would like you to consider their humanity in the sense of as much as, yes, it is you that they've offended, it's really a problem to do with them as well. And the fact that they, have, they are struggling with dealing with the emotion of envy. And so I think Pope John Alexander was right when he said, to her is human. 
human beings hurt other people. We Christians, we hurt other Christians. And so that's the first lesson I just want us to point out from the story of Joseph. Uh, The fact that it wasn't Joseph's fault. And so you can put yourself in that same uh, position that actually it's not your fault. But the reality is people are broken. The second one is the fact that God was with Joseph in spite of the disappointment that was caused uh, by other people. In Genesis uh, 39 verse 2. Uh, when he was a slave, the Bible says this about Joseph. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When he was in prison again, in Genesis 39, verse 23, the Bible says, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, although the Bible doesn't quite say that, you know, Joseph questioned God's presence, but sometimes what the pain of other people do to us is we actually question whether or not God is with us. In our contemporary society today, one of the questions that people are asking is, if there is a God, why is there so much suffering? Uh, there was an old chap, in, in, even in the book of uh, Judges, uh, chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, and his name is Gideon. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, one of the things that Gideon said is, uh, one of the things the angel said to him, the Lord is with you, man of valor. Gideon's response was, if the Lord is indeed with us, why has all these things happened? And the pain and the suffering caused by other people has a way of actually closing our ability to see what the Lord is doing in us. Okay? And I myself have been through this, uh, I think in more recent time, not so much because of the pain of other people, but because of the delay in the manifestation of what I'm believing God for. So for example, David talks about how you know, he's in this period of waiting. And here's my encouragement to people that are suffering as a result of the pain that has been inflicted on you by other people. And this is something from an old hymn, which I think is very helpful, and it says we should count our blessings, okay? And what happens about when we count our blessings is it's almost as though we're able to locate God in obscure places. And the the hymn goes, it says, um, when upon life's billows you are in tempest tossed, when you're discouraged thinking that all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so one of the techniques I use sometimes when I'm in a difficult place of identifying whether God is with me or not is I tend to journal. And what I do with that is literally I just list out ways in which God has blessed me, okay? And so if you're struggling to forgive other people because of what they've done to you, I'll just encourage you to start to count the blessings of the things God has done for you as a way of locating God's presence uh, in the midst of the suffering. And then finally, um, which is perhaps the most important lesson, is the fact that Joseph did not allow the behaviors of other people to dictate his own. So we've established to start off with that it wasn't Joseph's fault, The second one is the fact that God was with him. And the third one is the fact that Joseph didn't allow the behaviors of others to dictate how he responded in the crisis to other people. And so despite Joseph's disappointments, he was still able to help other people through their own challenges. And in Genesis 40, verses 7 to 8, and this is what it says. It says, so he asked Pharaoh's official who were under custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? And they said, we both had dreams, they answered, but there was no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. You know, pain and offense has a way of clouding our judgments. And sometimes we want to take out that offense on other people. I remember once um, somebody was having a baby dedication after party 
and I wasn't invited. And I was very livid in my mind. I was like, how dare they not invite me? And at that moment, and I'm sure other people do this well, I'm not trying to cushion the effect. At that moment, I said, you know, when I'm having my own baby dedication, I'm not going to invite them. And I remember God saying to me, actually, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, the pain of other people has a way of just changing our perceptions on how we respond to other people. And I'm going to leave you with uh, this story. And I met this couple, uh, Ray and uh, Vi Donovan. Um, So I was part of um, a uh, restorative justice program that Angela facilitates at a youth prison in Thamesmead. And I met them last year around about October. And so their son, Chris, uh, was mothered um, in cold blood uh, by some thugs. And what they've started to do now is, I think it's been about 18 years since that happened. They've started to go to churches, uh, schools, community centers, prisons, just to talk about the impact of what that did to them. And here's their story. In May 2001, Christopher Donovan and his brother won a night out together when they were attacked by a gang of youths. Philip was beaten unconscious, and when Christopher tried to help him, he was pulled to the ground and repeatedly kicked in the head. He was then left unconscious in the middle of the four-lane road when he was hit by a car and dragged 40 feet. I remember when they were telling this story because my father had just died, and I think it brought to life the pain of other people that has been caused by the actions of others. Christopher's parents, Ray and Vi, were awakened suddenly after midnight by two policemen at their door. Ray instantly knew that something was wrong. My heart was beating so fast I thought it would jump out of my chest. Then the policeman told us that Chris and Phil had been involved in a fight and Chris was badly injured. In the state of panic and shock, uh, they were driven to the hospital where their son had been taken. Philip was relatively unhurt, but Christopher was in the operating theater. Most of the bones in his body were broken, and there was a serious risk of brain damage. He died in the operating table when the doctors broke the news. Vi, the woman, ran out from the room, and Ray collapsed on the floor, and he was screaming. Vi described the days that followed, and this is what she said. All I could feel was rage and anger. I went home and smashed my kitchen hop. I just lost it completely because I was riding on all that rage. I was drinking a cup of poison and hoping that it would poison them. And it wasn't doing anything. It was just hurting me. Um, Two years on, Uh, And this is what they said. So Ray and Vi were contacted by one of the offenders uh, who said that he wanted to meet them and say sorry. The meeting never actually took place, but it prompted the Donovans to write all three men, offering their forgiveness and suggesting that one day they might meet. I think the most important thing here is the fact that they offered forgiveness to these people in spite of what was done to them. And there's a lot more to the story, and I'll encourage you to uh, Google their names. So it's Ray and Vi uh, Donovan. Their story is all over Google. Um, But I just want to end with this, that even in the midst of our pain, God is working something else. You know, God has a way of making good out of evil. And this is what Joseph said uh, regarding what his brothers did to him in Genesis 50, verse 20. It says, you intended to harm me, 
But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I submit to you today that even in spite of what has been done to you, God has this plan of actually saving many lives. Now, you might not necessarily be like Ray and Vi Donovan going across this country telling their story, but in your own unique way, God has a way of bringing something good, even out of the tragedy or out of the pain that has been created for you by other people. Amen. Thank you.